Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Let's go, Giants fans, New York football fans. It's New York Training Camp Live exclusively on the Odyssey app and courtesy of WFAN in New York. I am your host, Sean Morash, where you could follow me on Twitter at Moraz, CBS, M-R-A-Z-C-B-S. Here we go. It's August 27th, the year 2021, and we are barreling towards our final Giants preseason game of the year as they take on the New England Patriots as they annually do in the preseason finale, although a different twist, a different flavor for multiple reasons. Obviously, the different format of only having three preseason games as opposed to four, and now trying to find that fine line as so many teams are about how to approach the preseason, how to, when to play your starters, when do you go all out for those last jobs earned, and the Giants seemingly now are treating this the way that a third preseason game in past years would be treated and not the way a last preseason game would be treated. So many of those Giants-Patriot games, if you harken back to the days of 6-3 games on a Thursday night at MetLife Stadium, come down to a lot of third stringers, fourth stringers. Maybe an Andre Brown gets hurt because he shouldn't be out there, but that's just what happens with these games. Now, this is going to feel more like some of those Giants and Jets games and we'll at least get a little more flavor of starters because, frankly, the way Joe Judge has approached these preseasons, forget being a paid ticket holder. If you were went out to Cleveland last week, I mean, brutal, absolutely brutal. If you went to the Jet game week one, they'll bore you to tears. The games have been boring. There's no other way around it. I'm not going to fluff it up and act like any of these preseason games have been anything but boring. They have been. But now here we are. Now we approach this preseason finale. And Joe Judge just spoke after two joint practices up in Foxborough, which we can get into as well. The Giants came back and held a practice in their stadium at MetLife Stadium today. To no surprise, maybe slightly a surprise, I guess, Saquon Barkley will not play at all in the preseason finale. I was a fan of getting Saquon out there, letting him take hits. And there is a little bit of this hesitation that some might say, well, what does this mean? He's going to play week one. Joe Judge is kind of holding back. He's, he's not going to reveal all his cards. The way Saquon is running at full speed up in New England, it would make zero sense for him not to be involved in week one. He will be out there. Give me a break. Give me a freaking break. No Kenny Galladay as well. Seemingly, though, if you talk to anybody up at Giants camp, it feels as if Kenny Galladay, they're just they're taking it easy because right now it's the preseason. And spare me the he needs to get all the reps he can get with Daniel Jones. I think they'll be okay. I think they'll be okay. The one guy 
I am interested in, and we're going to go good, bad, ugly here to start New York Training Camp Live. Again, if you're just tuning in on the Odyssey app, courtesy of WFAN.com, this is Sean Morash, where you can follow me on Twitter, at CBS. So before we break down all of that, I just mentioned the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's start with the bad today. Usually we go good, bad, ugly. I'm going to start in the middle and go bad. Kadarius Tony. Now, the one thing that's become abundantly clear about the Giants in training camp this year, because you have to factor in two things. Number one, last year, because of COVID, only Zoom press conferences, nobody allowed at the practices. We were relying on Giants.com for video of basically Joe Judge slotting into mud, holding footballs that way and whatnot. This is the first training camp that media is attending practices under Joe Judge and getting a feel and talking to him and the players day-to-day, face-to-face. On top of that, this is also the first preseason in general that we've seen Joe Judge approach games, right? Tom Coughlin, to his credit, to his own demise at times, he really played starters in every single preseason game. There was none of this even sitting out versus the patch. You would still see those guys out for a quarter because he believed in rhythm. When it came time for Ben McAdoo, who made a very quiet. Time for Ben McAdoo and Pat Shermer. They had a lighter version of Coughlin's preseason approach, but more of the same. You would usually see the starters, but then maybe not in week four if you were Pat Shermer or week one if you were Ben McAdoo, something like that. We haven't seen the starters at all other than the starting offensive line for three series in the first game some defensive guys here or there like Xavier McKinney last week. And as part of that, you have seen a crazy, ultra-conservative approach to the way guys are handled injury-wise, and I think that is clouding and panicking people a little more than it should. Saquon Barkley was really held back for a long time, and now it seems like he showed up in New England, they let him go a bit, still a little bit on a pitch count, but looks like himself, looks like Saquon. People interpreting that that he wouldn't play in Week 1, Get serious. He's going to be out there in week one. Kenny Galladay. Look, this is a guy that the Giants have given a lot of money to, and rightfully so, to go out there and be there, say Plexico Burris, big body, go out there, get the get the pay, get the catches, get the touchdowns. That's the kind of receiver Kenny Galladay could be. He is a true number one weapon when healthy in this league. He had an injury plagued year a year ago. So if he tweaks his hamstring a little bit. And none of these preseason games matter. And frankly, the practices, as far as pushing him the way a Joe Judge practice out there can be pushed, why risk more of an injury? So there's been an ultra-conservative approach to him. Kyle Rudolph, we finally saw back this week. Ultra-conservative on when we would see him back. Shane Lemieux, a little bit more of the same. But my bad here that I'm going to start with is Kadarius Toney. He has not been ruled out yet for this preseason finale versus the Patriots. And I damn well hope we do see him. Because there's no other way to sugarcoat him, specifically being a rookie, coming from the rookie camp, mini camp issues of shoe problems, of, okay, he had a bit of a family issue, you can't take into account of that. Clearly something was up with COVID here, and I'm not somebody who's out here to lecture anybody on COVID or anything else like this, but I'm getting Mika Zibanejad on the Rangers vibes for any hockey fans out there that would, would know that take, where he just... What was going on? He wasn't himself earlier in the year coming off of COVID. And is that what's going on with Kadarius Tony? We were told by Joe Judge after the MetLife practice today that the trainers are going to take a further look on him. He's not ruled out for the preseason game yet, the way that some of those other guys I just mentioned have been ruled out. I would really like to see him get out there and show his speed and get on the field. Now, the good news for the Giants, they're deep at receiver. They can get by with Darius Slayton 
Kenny Galladay and Sterling Shepard on opening day, and then you mix in a John Ross if you have to. But it's just the principle of getting Kadarius Tony. obviously in that trade back. He's the guy you end up taking in the first round. If he's not basically out there with any kind of muscle conditions, just illnesses and whatever else, it's scary and you hope for the best. But I'm at least mildly concerned about Kadarius Tony. And how could you not be if you had high expectations for him as I did? And maybe high expectations in year one was outrageous, but I don't think it's outrageous to want to see him on the field. He's an absolute playmaker if he has the ball in his hands. We need to get him on the field to have the ball in his hands. Again, Sean Morash here hosting New York Training Camp Live exclusively on the Odyssey app, courtesy of WFA and in New York. You're ugly before we get to the good. You have a Giants cornerback depth all of a sudden. You know, what felt like a real, real strength, especially when you consider how star-studded they are at the top with James Bradbury and Adoree Jackson. By all accounts, Darnay Holmes actually has not had a great training camp. And if that's the case, look, I'm, I'm not as worried because I'm, I'm a big Darnay guy. I thought it was noticeable last year when he wasn't out there at nickel corner as opposed to when he was. The team was better when he was. They do have the versatility of a Julian Love. Who knows how they use Xavier McKinney? So maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. But Darnay Holmes is still going to have to go out there, and he's going to have to play, and he's going to have to prove his worth. Aaron Robinson, we've gotten to the point now where it's hard to imagine him not starting the year either on IR or on the pup list and missing perhaps the first six games of the year. Coming back from that core muscle surgery, which kind of felt very quiet at the time that the Giants traded up and drafted him. Remember, a a trade-up that sent the Eagle war room into a frenzy of unhappiness. The Giants, okay, they need Aaron Robinson there. So now... Last week, or earlier in the week, I've lost track of days. They trade Ozzy Yadam, and uh, Yadam, however you want to pronounce it, he gets traded for Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson now is banged up, and it appears as if Josh Jackson could be on the... Josh Jackson, Josh Jackson, Josh... Say that a million times fast, right? He could be on the chopping block. Well, if Josh Jackson isn't going to make the team, were they really going to cut Ozzy Yadam? What Was that really going to happen? Were they going to cut him? Because if not... We at least saw that he was the weakest link of a very good defense last year for the Giants. But there were times he was able to hold his own. And the reason all of this is coming to focus is because Adoree Jackson sprained his ankle up in New England at the joint practices. Now, the good news is he walked around fine. It is not a high ankle sprain. It's a very, it seems to have, I think the words that every reporter used and even the Giants where they dodged a bullet here. The expectation is that Adoree Jackson will be ready to go in two weeks and play on opening day again adding to that ultra-conservative approach that we've seen Joe Judge have with all of his banged-up big-name players for the Giants. But this could be a sign of things to come. Expecting Adari Jackson and James Bradbury both to play every one of these 17 football games in a passing league, that has to be asking a lot. Obviously, you hope for that. And obviously, it is possible for them to play all 17. Some would argue it's likely they play all 17. But I, I think you have to understand that here's a still a very solid chance they don't. So who is the next man up in that spot? Julian Love is not an outside cornerback. He's a converted safety that's to play in the nickel. Darnay Holmes, his size is not an outside cornerback. I do think that Aaron Robinson can be an outside cornerback, but at the same time, if he hasn't been out here getting any reps in camp when he does return, if he is back in the lineup week seven, week eight, if that is when you suffer an injury, is that really going to be your first man up on the outside, a guy like that? So then that brings up who is making this team now if Josh Jackson is getting cut. It can't be Clavon Chason. It can't. He's there to be a special teamer. 
You can't count him up as the next man up on an outside corner position. Could play a little press coverage. Maybe he handles the run was a great tackler. To go out there in coverage, I don't know about that. Sam Beal looked like an absolute joke versus the Cleveland Browns. Maybe he, maybe that's the surprise. Maybe Sam Beal is the surprise that makes the team, but I think it's more likely you're looking at Rodarius Williams, who in practices has shown he had that huge practice two weeks ago that everybody drooled over, but frankly has left a lot to be desired on the field as far as the preseason games have gone. And I guess that comes out of the next name, a guy who actually has shown you a little bit in the preseason. I thought was pretty good versus Cleveland, although a touchdown was on him, and that's Madre Harper. But is Madre Harper, that's the first guy? I understand that there is a lot of assets invested when you consider financially in James Bradbury. Fourth round and a third round pick that you expect to be significant depth in Darnay Holmes and Aaron Robinson. But when Robinson's not there, I think basically in summation, it just comes back to you could have lived with, if you were the Giants, we don't love Isaac Yadam, but he held his own enough. We could have lived with him as the second corner. To just trade him for a guy that you want to take a flyer on in Josh Jackson that you're going to cut anyway, that means you really, really believe that Madre Harper or Rodarius Williams are best suited to be the next man up over a y- Isaac Yadam would have been. And you know what? That now, unfortunately, is coming to focus due to the Jackson injury. Now, it was a hold-your-breath moment. And this could be a lot of wasted words in the end of it because Jackson should be out there for week one. But it did give the Giants a little bit of a scare because, remember, if we're still going to be concerned about the offense and that frustrates the heck out of me with how many weapons they have that they should be, and this really is going to be a top-10 type defense in football, which, by the way, has all the makings to be that and the strength of the team, well, you can't basically have your your D-backs sit there, which are supposed to be the strong unit, one of the best defensive backs backfields in football, and it feel like you're one injury away because of what's happened around you with Robinson and Yadam getting traded, Robinson still hurt, that that thing falls apart, that scares me. That does worry me. So that is my ugly for today. My good, look, the offense, a lot of people are going to focus on negative stuff, and I'm going to admit a couple things that concern me offensively. But the good has to be that Kyle Rudolph is back running routes with absolutely no issue. Evan Ingram workload situation was held out of Thursday's practice up in New England. Kyle Rudolph is getting a lot of looks now as the number one tight end. And a guy who only scored a touchdown a year ago, but in his career has been an enormous red zone threat. And let's face it, the Giants need more help in the red zone. And he could provide a lot of that. And you know what? If it ends up where they could find a way finally for Jason Garrett to use Evan Ingram the right way, But even use Kyle Rudolph and some of those more traditional tight end sets and stuff that would go along with that, those kind of route concepts and everything. He could be soft-handed. He could be a best friend to Daniel Jones, and that's important. Look, Kyle Rudolph, it's not like the Giants signed Travis Kelsey here. I'm not going to make it out like that. But Kyle Rudolph can be a very important piece to this Giants offense when you consider where they've come here with Daniel Jones and what's on the table. So I think it's absolutely good that Kyle Rudolph has been out there. but the Giants were more conservative. He has now eased his way back in, and that could be key because if you look up and down and you read any report or talk to anybody who's been at practice and just follow things, the non-sexy story of training camp, which is funny because how far we come, is that the offensive line, the first team, looks adequate to good. And I would say looks really, really good at left tackle. Andrew Thomas has had himself a camp. 
And I, I, I'd be anxious to know this. I, I think there's some that might consider Andrew Thomas the offensive MVP of training camp. That is how good he's looked. He looked good versus the Jets as well. Will Hernandez at right guard now has come into his own a bit and has had some really productive practices, especially in these joint practices. And Nick Gates has been super sound at center. And if the Giants have now found, because everybody wanted to blame Eric Flowers, and rightfully so, and Bobby Hart stunk too. The problem with the Giants for a long time was that they got nothing right on the offensive line. And I mean nothing. They were glaring when when it came to the tackles getting burned, but they were bad. If you mean to tell me the Giants are about to enter a season where three guys out of their five in the offensive line are not just not going to kill you, they're actually strengths of the team, top half of the league type players at their position, dare I say, that could very well be on the table this year for Andrew Thomas and Will Hernandez and Nick Gates. That may not sell a lot of newspapers if you're still buying newspapers. It might not get you a lot of retweets if you're talking about it. But let's call it like it is. And there were reports from Cleveland reporters who felt this way. The Giants offensive line has looked pretty good. The counterpart to that is Matt Parrott has been the biggest question mark on the offensive line. Obviously, Shane Lemieux has been banged up. If you want to call that a bigger question mark, fine. So be it. But, yeah, I mean, Matt Parrott's had some good. He had some bad. He had some very ugly versus the Jets when he gave up that sack. He seemingly has all the ability, but he has some lapses, and that's come across again in the joint practices in New England. All right, well, if that's the case, what does that mean? Is he going to need a little more seasoning? If things go south versus really good pass rushers like they will see versus Denver and Washington, do you have to pull him out of games to get his head right? Well, the only way to do that is Nate Solder has to be healthy and has to be at at the very least adequate. And I know a lot of people could be rolling their eyes listening again, if you are, to New York Training Camp Live here on the Odyssey app hosted by Sean Morash. Nate Solder is still a, a, a sound, solid veteran. And if you're not counting on Nate Solder to be your franchise left tackle and you're counting on him to be your swing tackle, has to play sparingly, come off and pinch hit when needed, well, when needed, could be early on versus some of these good pass rushers. And that's why it's important that Solder's practicing because this offensive line could really finally have something here, something that we have been dying for for nearly a decade now. Can we block? Can we protect up front? Can we give time for plays to develop? They should be able to run the heck out of the ball. They were able to run the heck out of the ball with the Wayne train last year down the whole second half of the year. Now can they pass protect and allow some plays down the field to develop. My goodness, you invested in Kenny Galladay. Can you got Darius Slayton? Can we get down the field here and figure this out? The only way to do that is with good pass protection. So it'll be very, very fascinating to see if you see Nate Solder playing any right tackle in weeks one and two, should there still be some struggles with Matt Parrott. So that is definitely, definitely something to watch out for. Now, a win for Dave Gettleman. Another thing we have to hit on, Dave, we've all crushed you. Some have crushed you more than others. I may have crushed him more than most. And I am not here, and maybe it's stubbornly by me, whatever you want to say, I am not here to wave the flag and say, oh, Dave Gellman got it right by me. He's a great GM, and I was wrong the whole time. I am still very hesitant, and there's still a lot of things that need to play out. For instance, we all love them trading up. Well, if Justin Fields goes and he becomes, I don't know, if he becomes Elway, 
and Kadarius Tony's an utter flop and the Giants get nothing out of the first rounder next year. Well, we're going to look back and say, well, Gettleman really screwed us with that pick, huh? Maybe he should have seen that Daniel Jones didn't work out if he does. And if Daniel Jones is bad, like there's still too much on the table for me to say Dave Gettleman has cured all his ales and is plenty good as a general manager. That being said, what is one thing that NFL teams get absolutely mocked for, get crushed for? If you waste a draft pick on a kicker or a punter, it is those guys better be damn good, especially if you go high for a kicker or a punter. And his name is slipping me. I forgot. Aguayu, it was the Bucks kicker when they when they went way high for him in the draft. It was ridiculous. All right, a seventh rounder maybe is you could use on a kicker. But ultimately, if you can get away without using draft picks on kickers and taking flyers on other positions to pad your special teams, that's the way to do it. The Giants took Ryan Santoso and had him on their practice squad all of last year because you needed to have a kicker on your practice squad all of last year for COVID protocol reasons. Should Graham Gano have had COVID, you bring in Santoso and so on and so forth. So they were able to stash him all year long. The Carolina Panthers deemed Graham Gano essentially shot as their kicker. They're going to dump him off, longtime Carolina Panther kicker. The Giants behind Dave Gettleman, the former general manager of the Panthers, bring in Graham Gano, and he was money. Because, of course, he was. Because somehow, amongst all the giant problems for all these years, they continue to churn out kickers, even when, for legal reasons or other reasons, they have to let them go. Josh Brown, need no story there. Aldrich Rosas ends up becoming a pro bowler. His demise, need no story there. And they end up nailing this thing with Graham Gano. Graham Gano, of course, comes from where? Carolina. So the Giants now have Carolina's kicker. He was great last year. Could be a pro bowler this year, by all means. What does Carolina find themselves in need of this training camp just a year later? Oh, a reliable kicker as they've invested in Sam Darnold, expect to score points, have invested in Robbie Anderson. So who do they go calling? The New York Giants for Ryan Santoso, and the Giants get a seventh rounder for him. Now, before you mock uh, Mraz, I mean, they got a seventh rounder. What are you waving pom-poms for? Well, the fact that teams don't usually spend draft picks on kickers, and we just got a draft pick by trading a backup kicker that we were going to cut anyway. That's just damn good GMing. That's damn good maneuvering. The greatest move in the world? No, but it's just another solid sign that for whatever reason, with Joe Judge now in control, Dave Gettleman, the light bulb's gone off, and he's been able to maneuver and make smart decisions and smart moves. And before you tell me a seventh-rounder can't become a thing, need I remind you about Carter Coughlin and Ty, Tay Crowder, two guys who we, both, we all love. If you're listening to this and you're a Giants fan and you don't love Carter Coughlin and Tay Crowder, who's kidding who? Those guys were seventh-round picks. Now, it doesn't mean that the guy they, that the pick they get for Santos is going to turn out to be anything, but it's a lottery ticket, right? And I'd rather have that lottery ticket than nothing, which is what you would have gotten for cutting Santos. So just an excellent win this week by Dave Gettleman. Now, as we head off to this game versus the Patriots, you expect to see the starters for the first half, and I expect alarm bells to go off on Twitter as a result. Look, by all accounts, all measures, this has not been a sexy offensive training camp. Now, we don't know if a lot is being held back in front of reporters in these joint practices by play design and being different, but it feels like the offense looks like more of the same old, same old. My argument back would be we didn't have Saquon last year. You still really haven't seen Galladay. still really haven't seen Kadarius Toney. You still really haven't seen Kyle Rudolph. These were all pieces meant to elevate that offense. So just by sheer those guys being in it, if they are available, the offense should elevate, not be 31st in the NFL. But how much better is the question. When the Giants take the field on Sunday night and Daniel Jones plays behind his first-team offensive line, 
a couple things need to happen to calm the fan base. Number one, the offensive line just got to be solid. Daniel Jones can't be getting his butt whooped back there and fumbling a football. Could you imagine if Daniel Jones fumbles a ball off a blown sack by Matt Paird or something? Twitter, Giants Twitter might melt down. I think it's a hold your breath first half where you just you just want to see nice, easy play by the offensive line. All right, you're not going to win every single rep and every single battle, but don't absolutely make it feel like the Giants can't operate an offense behind you. And I think that's important to watch. And if you're Daniel Jones, you want to see at least a touchdown drive, right? You want to see the Giants go down the field. Now, again, I mentioned some of those guys they will not have. You would like to see Daniel Jones find his way to navigate a nice drive versus the Patriot defense, get down the field. You're playing off the whole first half. I don't think it's a lot to ask for them to put seven points on the board in that first half at a minimum and go out there and just don't turn the ball over if you're Daniel Jones. That is the one. Everybody knows Daniel Jones can operate an offense, right? The, the read option stuff with his legs. He he has some money accuracy at times, but there are those boneheaded turnovers, whether they're the fumbles and occasional interception. Walk out of this if you're the Giants. With the offensive line, I'm not telling you they got to look like the, the 80s Redskins offensive line. I'm not telling you that Daniel Jones needs to look like Dan Marino. What I am saying is just don't spit up all of yourself. Just come out of there feeling like, all right, we got our feet wet. Offensive line was fine. Ran the ball a little bit with Devontae Booker. Daniel Jones was fine. Sterling Shepard a catch. Darius Slayton a catch. Evan Ingram a catch. Tip your hat. Let's see who makes this team in the second half, and we'll see you in two weeks in Denver, and let that be the case. I think there's way more of a chance that negative can come out of this preseason game than offense as so, as far as some of those first teamers are. I, I just I think that's obvious. I think that's blatantly obvious because there's a negative connotation around the Giants always until we're proven otherwise. And it doesn't mean anything, but it will mean something if the team looks terribly negative. Now, if they look positive, it'll be, uh, you know, you can't please everybody's situation. People say, well, it's the preseason. You're playing the Pats. What does it matter? It's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. But I would much rather come out of Sunday night situation feeling better about the New York Giants than worse offensively. And worse could be sacks, could be turnovers. Let's not see any of that in the first half. The guy to watch for in the second half defensively, Afedi Odin. I'm never going to get this last name right. Odin Egbo. Afedi Odin Egbo. Okay, comes over from the Minnesota Vikings. Hand in the dirt type defensive end. Play the pass rush a little bit. He actually has the most career sacks of anybody that was in Giants in camp. I don't know what's happened. I thought at the beginning of camp there's a chance he could actually start at the outside linebacker position, but he's running around with the third team out there versus the Browns. And the Giants have had a big camp from Trent Harris, have had a big camp from Nico Lalos, a couple guys you would have thought could have been cut. And now O'Shane Jimenez, who has been a guy who I think many thought, all right, bust, banged up for two straight years, former third-round pick has really shown some true pass rushing ability and has had a strong week plus of camp to say, you must consider me as far as being a big part of the solution at the pass rush position. Aziz Ojulari seemingly still going to be managed with a bit of an injury. I've liked what I've seen when he's been out there, but again, a guy who feels like he's going to be on a pitch count and Lorenzo Carter, who just feels like he's been the most solid all around player, even if he's not flashy has been fine. So where does that leave a Fetty? Is he going to get cut and this team's going to go carry a Nico Lalos and a Trent Harris who maybe do a little bit more in coverage because if Fetty does none of that? That's fascinating because when they signed him from the Vikings, I thought for sure he had to be an absolute stone-cold lock to make the roster. And remember, when we started doing training camp live, if you have been with us from the beginning of camp at the end of July, beginning of August, I made my, my guys who, not that I declared they would get cut, 
but guys potentially that wouldn't surprise me if they did. And I couldn't have been more wrong. And those guys would have been Lorenzo Carter because I wasn't sure how he would look. And knowing that this is a contract year for him anyway, I thought part of the reason I played into that is I thought they were really going to invest here in a Fed. The other guy was John Ross. I clearly couldn't have been more wrong about that because I also thought, hey, he's not going to play any special teams, and he has absolutely done that. And that is obviously going to be a big position battle as well. The back end of the receivers, Dante Pettis, John Ross, who wins some of those jobs, uh, uh, David Sills at the end. But Fetty is somebody to keep an eye on, man. If he doesn't do anything flashy in this game, I think that could end up being the surprise cut of training camp. And again, because he hasn't been a giant and this was his first camp, maybe that will come as a surprise to a casual fan who drops in and shows up on opening day and doesn't even know who he was and he was ever part of the team. But if you follow the offseason, that would qualify as an enormous surprise cut. All right, Giants and Patriots, Sunday, 6 p.m. Eastern kickoff. Your pregame show on WFA and gets on the way at 5.05. That will be on the FM dial, 101.9 FM is where you could find Giants football on the radio. The Yankees are playing a Sunday night baseball game. They will, of course, play on the AM dial. Now, if you are a WFA listener, from 1 to 5, leading you into that Giants pregame show, you get more of me. We will break down everything as far as the Yankees and A's big series as that continues in Oakland. The Mets disaster continues to unfold. We will recap a little if you are a Jet fan of the Jets preseason finale, which comes up later tonight. And, of course, get the table set and get you ready for New York Giants football, their preseason finale Sunday on WFAN. I am Sean Morish. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at MrazCBS, M-R-A-Z-C-B-S. Sean Morash is my name on WFAN, where you can hear me 1 to 5 p.m. Eastern, leading to the Giants and Pats Sunday to close out the preseason. This has been New York Training Camp Live. And remember, as training camp winds down, we have next Monday, next Friday, and then Labor Day Monday to close out these shows on New York Training Camp Live. You can always catch every Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on the day, G-Wiz, your exclusive WFAN.com and the Odyssey app's New York Giants weekly podcast, also hosted by me. A lot of plugs. You get a plug. You get a plug. You get a plug. I'm giving it to you all, baby. This is Sean Morash, and this has been New York Training Camp Live. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. 
baseball your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.